Miracy. Reparent yourself, retrain yourself, and in the process, go from, oh my God, I have to do this horrible financial chore because now I'm a business owner, to, oh, it's just something I do. Yeah, I know the finances of my business. I understand the income I've generated from this new experiment I just ran. How do you set up your coaching business for financial success from day one? That's the question I'm exploring today because many coaching startups risk failing when they're barely out of the gate. I'm Melinda Cohen, and you're listening to Just Between Coaches. I run a business called The Coaches Console, and we're proud to have helped more than 70,000 coaches create profitable and thriving businesses. This is a podcast where we answer burning questions that newer coaches would love to ask a more experienced coach. As a newer coach, it's easy to feel overwhelmed to get your business in order or what type of profit you should shoot for. But strategic planning becomes so much easier if we are courageous enough to look at our numbers. My guest today says we need to hang out with our numbers. Otherwise, you cannot run a business. I've invited Anya Sassenberg de Georgia to the show today. Anya is a professional certified life coach offering business and reinvention coaching to clients worldwide. She also runs monthly financial turnaround challenges, authored a book, On the Edge of Something Bigger, empowering steps for retirees who want more meaning, fulfillment, and fun. And she's developed a financial card deck that offers a habit approach to change a limiting mindset around money. Welcome, Anya. Thank you for having me, Melinda. It's a joy to be here with you today. Anya, I am so excited to have this conversation. I know we're going to have a lot of fun with this. But before we do that, would you just mind sharing a little bit of your background? So I have a little bit of a unique background. I lived in Germany half of my life, half of my life in America. I lived in France. My education is in art history and classical archaeology. And then I shifted gears towards focusing on the language of money, became a stockbroker, financial planner. And now I'm a wildly passionate business coach and love to introduce myself as a reinvention coach. (laughs) Okay, that is fascinating. When I was preparing for this, I'm like, oh, that is so interesting. What is that and why do you focus on that? As long as I can remember, I have been just fascinated with the power that we have to stop and notice where we have accepted barriers and boundaries. And we are able to connect to the big picture and then redesign forward into something completely new and fresh and exciting and more meaningful than ever. Just love that. So that is part of my focus. I want to show my clients that it's possible to powerfully reinvent themselves at any time in life and create something that's more amazing than they could have even imagined. Now, in our podcast. We speak to newer coaches, typically. Not all of our listeners are newer. And I know that they can really resonate with what you just shared. I know I do. Like the privilege and the honor it is to have that front row seat of that reinvention, that transformation, and whatever the topics are. And even though a lot of our listeners are newer coaches, um, sometimes we often will think, when I say newer coaches, some people will think younger coaches. But newer doesn't mean younger. 
Right. And so I want to really talk to all of our listeners today in this topic of financial success, profitability, looking at our numbers. I love what you said, the language of money. How would you frame the problem for coaches when it comes to setting up your coaching practice for financial success right from day one? I think that for most newer coaches, the dilemma is that they have not run a business before and they don't fully embrace that running a business really means a focus on two purposes. The first one, and most coaches are very clear on that, they want to make a difference. They want to have an impact and make the world a better place. That one is easy. The other piece most newer coaches forget It's that a business exists to also generate profit. And I'm not talking about generating revenue. Most coaches get that piece, but generating profit. So you have to figure out how to structure your services and your product offerings in a way that you're not only recouping whatever overhead expenses or startup expenses you have, but you want to create a healthy profit that you can then use to put your business on very healthy legs. What does that mean on very healthy legs? Let's dive into that for a second. Yeah, so most businesses that fail, they fail because they have very poor cash flow management. A business is healthy if you have built up the ability to generate profit and then use that profit in a very strategic kind of way. Um, I, I think of it as meeting certain milestones. I help my clients meet financial milestones in order to gradually get to that rock solid financial health of their businesses. And I can talk more about those milestones if you'd like. But generally, having a financially healthy business is building out those buffers that make your business strong. Well, let's dive into those financial milestones. Let's say that I'm a new coach and I'm Right at the very beginning, I've said, I want to do this as a business. I don't want to just dabble anymore. I really want to do this as a business. And I come to you and I'm like, okay, Anya, like whatever you say I'm going to do, help me be successful right from day one. What are those financial milestones you would help me with? I mean, the very first thing I do with clients is to stop commingling personal and business money. So just from a very practical point of view, setting up different accounts, separating those two universes, personal and business finances. And then absolutely, you have to set up a bookkeeping system. Learn QuickBooks, Wave, one of them. There are lots of them out there. I I happen to love QuickBooks. I require my clients to have an onboarding process um, to learn QuickBooks. So the very first milestones I help my clients design for is to what I call get back to zero. In order to get to zero, you need to be really clear on the liabilities that you've taken on as your startup expenses, you know, your coach training, your ICF membership, your Zoom subscription. So getting to zero is a major and exciting milestone. Then after that, you use your profits that you're generating to build up buffers. And I have my clients set up different accounts. So you want to save up 6 to 12 months of your tax liability for next April. You want to build up 6 to 12 months of your operating expenses. And then you move on to the next milestone, which is setting yourself up for monthly salary draws. Very exciting time to reach in your coaching business. 
Yes, it is. Oh, it's so amazing. <laughs> yeah. So once you have automated those and created a system for your business that you can take those monthly salary draws, the next even more exciting step would be to have monthly investments into your self-employed 401k or into your SEP IRA. Because really, you're running your business. The hope and dream for all new business owners is that you generate enough profits that you can not only live well right now, but that you can also care deeply for your future self by saving and investing for that future you that's going to need resources to live well and with dignity. Would you say that after that milestone where you're you know, now you're automating not only the monthly salary draws, but the next milestone as well, those monthly investments, you've got a certain amount going into a 401k or an IRA or some tax advantage type of situation. Is the next to reinvest in your business or is it about giving back and contributing to maybe charities or other organizations? When does that start happening? That's a very personal decision. You're right. It's the reinvestment piece and the giving back that you could outline as a fifth milestone. And again, it's a very personal choice. I see a lot of coaches, like you said at the very beginning, that's one of our purposes. Across the board, I hear it from everybody. I want to make a difference. I want to make an impact. I want to impact the lives of people around me. And so that enthusiasm and that passion will have them jump to the give back piece so fast that it actually causes harm because the other milestones are not in a healthy place. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, it's fascinating. I actually help my clients implement the profit first methodology, which really fits quite well with what you're raising here. This desire to give back from a place of abundance. I don't know if you're familiar with Mike Michalowicz's methodology, where you actually set up different accounts that have very specific purposes. And one of the accounts that he suggests small business owners set up is a vault account, which is for future upgrades for your business. And then he sets up a separate, it's literally a different bank account that's called Profits. And he makes it mandatory that you take quarterly profit distributions. And those, for me, they go into donations, charitable donations. I mean, running our business as a coach, it is such a fulfilling, rewarding experience where we really can express all parts of us, the piece where we can use our gifts and talents to help trigger transformation for our clients and also sustain ourselves and give back to the community. It's just, I sometimes pinch myself, Melinda, that mm -hmm. this mm -hmm. is what I get to do as a full-time business owner myself. It's it is an incredible place when we can get our businesses to this point. And yet so many newer coaches in their first, you know, it might be in their first one to two years or maybe even first four to five years, where they're really struggling to forget about profit for a second. They're struggling to create revenue. If somebody comes to you that's been struggling, how do you help turn them around to get off that struggle bus? I think the most important thing is to get completely clear your values, who you are, what you stand for, to find 2% of possibilities of services and products that you're considering that allow you 
to feel the most fulfilled as a coach and where you know from past experiences that you are most likely to have the most impact. And then I frame it with my clients as experiments. We come out with two or three possible experiments of services and products and then build out a strategy to launch them. And each of these experiments we build out, there are actually three different types of experiments that we map out in writing. And they have financial parameters, they have time parameters, and they have a very specific loop back moment where we come back and look at, so what actually happened with the new card that you created, with the new online service that you offered, or a different niche that you're speaking to with different types of efforts, and then sort from that. It's basically soul-searching Where am I able to deliver the most value to my clients, the world, and myself? And where is the market responding in the way that I would like the market to respond to this type of offering? And that's really important. That intersection right there, I feel a lot of coaches overlook it. They will get so focused on what do I want to do? Who do I want to help? What's the work I want to do? And it's very Mm I-centered focus on creating packages, programs, services, offers, whatever it is. And then they'll roll it out. And a lot of times it's like, wow, they didn't sign up. And then they start seeing themselves as a failure when a lot of times they didn't just pay attention to that second piece. What does the market want? What are people investing in? And where can those two paths intersect your passion with their needs and wants? That right there is the sweet spot. And I love what you described them as experiments. I call it research. And it's a mistake that I see a lot of newer coaches making instead of having that strategic experiment. I love that word to roll it out and then looping back and saying, okay, what do we notice? Because it's in that gathering of that intel that there is so much information that lets us make the next decisions and the next decisions and tweak and modify and optimize and adjust accordingly so that we can find that intersection. How do you help people navigate those times when they do an experiment and it didn't go very well? I mean, basically, when you play with life, when you play with ideas and and creative offerings, the most important thing is to not get attached to these experiments and to just have a sense of playfulness Our life and our work as entrepreneurs is deeply creative. We're basically playing with ideas. We're playing with intuition. We're playing with wisdom that arises from within and offer it back to our clients. So it's that sense of non-attachment, the dance of showing up, doing the work, doing the marketing, stepping out there, offering it to the public but also keeping it kind of playful and loose and knowing that we don't know what the world is ready for right now. So I think it's that dance between really showing up, being committed and sincere and hardworking and detailed oriented, but then also just letting it go and saying, this is what I want to offer right now. And just being curious about what the world says to that. It's very funny. I oftentimes think that money, time, and calories are kind of similar in that way. (laughs) I love that. 
<laughs> we think we know where we're spending our time. We think we know where we allocated our calories or our dollars, but we really don't. We have a bias on how we allocate resources. We think we know, but really, if it's something that's really easy and we just really want it, we completely overestimate how much we have allocated. And if we hate it, we completely blow it out of proportion the other way. So when we're building out these offerings for the world that we love and that we're passionate about, we have to see how do we feel? How joyful are we as we're offering that? And we need to see what our numbers are saying. Are people signing up? I mean, I've had two events where I was actually there. I had my PowerPoint slide. The room was set up. I had my handouts and nobody showed up. But in the end, it's just information. It's us offering something and seeing what the world does and then taking that information to curiously and lovingly and wisely into the next thing that we're going to do. It's always just the next thing. And for most people, we get smarter as we go and we become more astute in responding to what we learned from the last experiment. And it just gets easier and, and more effortless. I love that word that you used, playful. Mm -hmm. Now, why is it so hard for coaches to track their numbers? Like what gets in the way? I think most people are just intimidated by money. They're intimidated by business finances. And we all have a lot of baggage around money. Many messages that we received around money when we were little resurface when we're running our businesses. So it's a fear of contact. But the good news is that if you do hang out with your money and nurture that relationship with your financial self, that it can become very easy and very comfortable. You can really befriend your money in a way that you might not even be able to imagine right now. Now, you have your clients look at five areas of money. Will you share what those five areas are? Yeah, sure. So there are five different ways that we express ourselves with money. And they are how we earn money, how we spend money, how we save money, how we give money, and how we invest money. And each of those, it's very interesting, each of those have very unique ways of expressing yourself. So what I usually do with my clients is that I have them look at all of these different areas and write down their strengths what are you already doing really well in these different areas? And then I give them another space around that it's a written exercise and have them brainstorm opportunities to grow when they write down what will be just amazing when it comes to giving, earning, investing, and take that as singular focus just for the next couple of weeks. And just put the other things in the parking lot because they have a lot of energy. There's excitement, there's hope. And they really work well to give people direction of what they could grow into financially in terms of that, not just on the external financial side, but who they are as beings in relationship to money. I want to go back to something that you said, because when I asked the question, you talk about having your clients look at five areas of money. You said that these are different ways that we can express ourselves through money. And that, I think that may be my biggest takeaway nugget from our conversation here today. 
when I think about earning, it's like, how do I want to express myself through money in this area of earning? And I think instead of it being something that I do, or I have to create, or I have to go out and accomplish something, like how do I want to express myself? That's a different way of thinking about it. Or when it comes to spending, how do I want to express myself? And if I were to sit down, which I did a number of years ago, I had my money in order and then money issues came back up. My money got really messy. I had to get my money back in order again. And I had to look at these different categories. And it's like, how am I being when it comes to spending? If somebody looks at my spending patterns, habits, how would they describe me and how I'm expressing myself? And that began to shed a lot of light. So I really love how you said the ways that we express ourselves through money. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, it is endlessly exciting to me to think and talk about that. The things that show up with money show up in all other areas. If like earning, for example, is a quality of claiming our value, our worth. If you are stuck in the area of earning, of standing tall and saying, what I have is important and I expect an equal exchange, If that's something that's happening in the arena of money, that probably is also happening in other areas of your life. Like in, you know, sex is coming to mind first for me here. (laughs) Or in any type of relationships that you're in. These are basic qualities that we express in these different languages. Time, food, money, relationships. So the hopeful and exciting message here is that if you make progress and the example of earning, then you find some healing, you find some deeper alignment with what you really want, what you're really capable of. It will then trigger healing and shifts in other areas of your life as well, in relationships, in time, in your relationship with food. And it's just so wildly exciting. And the reason that I am so fascinated with the area of money Because there is a huge ROI when you work on something that has as much stuck energy as money. The amount of discomfort and resistance and shame and fear and overwhelm that most people have when it comes to even thinking about their money is tremendous. So if you look at it that way, there's all this negative emotion that's tied for most of us to our money. If you can tackle that, especially for newer coaches, how incredible is that? You're not only giving your business a better chance to thrive and to grow, but if you think about it, all of your clients have all of these strong emotions as well. If you do this, what I call money work, you will also be able to serve your clients when they bump into their own money issues and you will be able to be there for them and hold them and support them and empower them in a way that you might not have been able to had you not really embraced the finances of your business as an opportunity to just totally reinvent who you are around money. It's just so exciting, Melinda. It is so exciting. It's really the playground for us to become our best selves. Yes, we're going to make an impact. Yes, we're going to help others along the way. Yes, we're going to use our gifts and skills and talents to create a better world. And we have to often fall apart 
so we can come back together in new ways because what's going to create a successful business is not going to necessarily come from who you are when you start your business, but who you become on the way to creating your business. And this money work is such an important piece. I often run into coaches when they're in their first few years and they're not doing the work. They're not paying attention to these five areas of money. How are they claiming their own value and their worth and paying attention to their capacity to receive? And so as a result, the only thing that's left in that vacuum is the fears in our heads. They just get louder. Those villains just get louder. Not good enough. Who am I to charge so much? I'm just getting started. I don't know. I don't have these certifications. I don't have this. I don't know that. And it just spins out of control because we don't spend the time on these topics that you've been talking about. But when we can look at these things, we can stop those fear-based patterns that drive our prices down, that has a new coach charging $25 a session because they don't think they can charge anymore because they're brand new, which is quite honestly, a bogus fear-based thought to think. And it doesn't have to be that way. So you said the area of earning is really about a quality of claiming your own value. Like what's the area of spending all about? What's going on there? Well, you know, for me, earning... That claiming piece is more my value as a human being, my purpose, my life purpose of stepping up and saying, this is what I was born to do. The spending to me has more a quality of, I want this avocado right now and I want to eat it and I deserve it. It's very immediate and it's not very respectful sometimes of others. It, mm -hmm. it feels in the moment. But the earning piece, it's much bigger. It's purpose and meaning and what's my life all about. Another thing that came up for me in this whole idea of approaching a business that is growing in a playful, experimental kind of way, the feelings that we have, the stuckness that we have around our financial experience, our financial selves is very real. Feeling terror Overlooking at our profit and loss statement or completely avoiding looking up how much money we've made so far year to date. That experience is completely real and I think it's very important to be honored. On the flip side, I think it is so helpful and gentle and sustainable to not only look at that personal experience, that emotional experience honestly, but then to approach it in very, very small bites. And I do that by creating a small financial habit that takes place early in the morning. That's why I came out with this card deck medium. It's like very playful. It's not a book. You just pick a card and you just spend five minutes on your mindset, five minutes on action steps. No big deal. You sit with it, take that mindset piece. You kind of try it on, let it germinate inside of you. And then you take just five minutes, you just log into QuickBooks, you just categorize whatever transactions have cleared in the last 24 hours. You do the same thing on the personal side. Yeah, not a big deal. Do it in the morning. Reward yourself with a celebration afterwards. Tap yourself on the shoulder, have a cup of coffee, and just break down this big monster that is completely real for most people, that it's overwhelming, terror, shame, and discomfort inducing. It just Turn it around into something really small that you do every day. Every day is easiest. And just reparent yourself, retrain yourself. And in the process, go from, oh my God, I have to do this horrible financial chore because now I'm a business owner to, oh, it's just something I do. Yeah, 
I know. I know the finances of my business. I understand the income I've generated from this new experiment I just ran. Oh, I saw this other experiment that totally didn't result in anything that I thought it would. Huh, look at that. Interesting. Yeah, I'm just kind of in touch with all of those pieces of my business. And I'm allowing those numbers and that data and these gentle habits to evolve forward and become better and better at this game of being an entrepreneur and growing as an individual, growing in what I'm handing to the world in terms of services and products and just having fun and being fulfilled and creating a win-win all around. I love that. I love that morning ritual. I love the simplicity of it, but the profound impact that it has. And I love how you really took us inside what to do, how to do it, what it's like. I can imagine the ripple effect from there. And, you know, Anya, we could keep talking about this, I'm sure, for days <laughs> and weeks. And I want to summarize what we've talked about so far in this conversation. You took us inside, and I love this phrase, the language of money. And you talked about some of the dilemmas that prevent us from being financially successful from day one. You talked about how we don't focus on both purposes. We often just focus on the purpose that comes so naturally. I want to make a difference, want to make an impact. But we also must focus on the purpose that business exists to generate a profit. That's how it's supposed to work. And you took us inside the idea about generating a profit and using that profit in a strategic way. But in order to do that, you can't just jump there. You broke it down into meeting financial milestones to create a financially healthy business and how to really focus on them one at a time so that we can build up to it and not get overwhelmed. We talk about that, the methodology of profit first, which I love and talked about how you set up different accounts to help you really be intentional about how you use and leverage your money and organize your money. We talked about some of the ways that we need to be playful with our money when things don't go like expected or we have those experiments like you called it where we're rolling out different offers or programs or services that we want to make available and to experiment with it. Look at the financial parameters, look at the time parameters, look at the impact, get the feedback and then loop back and really understand where we can adjust. And you talked a lot about the non-attachment to all of that and how a lot of times we get attached to what it's supposed to look like or what we think it should look like. And that's just one option of among so many. But when we're not attached, we can be playful, have that sense of playfulness. And then you took us, probably my favorite part of the conversation, but you took us into the five areas of money where we can express ourselves through money. I loved that. And I loved how we went in deep on that. And then how you shared the ritual, just a way to honor the emotional experience that we're having when it comes to our business and our money and to approach it in small bits, small financial bits and that morning ritual that just makes it simple to turn it around because it can be if we want it to be, if we choose it to be. Anya, do you have any other parting words that you want to share with our listeners? It's probably learning to be financially empowered does not have to be hard. We make it this villain, but really money is a magical, interesting energy 
that can open us to a level of self-awareness and personal power and freedom that is astounding. So I wish your listeners to discover that for themselves and take their businesses to wherever they can dream them to be and get there in a way that is fun. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to this episode of Just Between Coaches. And also a big thank you to Anya for this amazing conversation. You can find out more about her at forwardlifecoaching.com. That's forwardlifecoaching.com. And in the show notes for this episode, you'll find a link to a resource document with more information about her work. Anya, thank you so much for coming to the show. Thank you for having me, Melinda. It's been great fun. I'm Melinda Cohen, and you've been listening to Just Between Coaches. Just Between Coaches is part of the Mirror CFM podcast network, which also includes such shows as Self-Awakened Lifestyle and Making It. Cynthia Lamb produced this episode. I wrote this episode with Mishi Lance. She assembled the episode. Danny Eney is our executive producer, and post-production was by Post Office Sound. If you want to listen to upcoming great episodes on Just Between Coaches, please follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you like the show, please leave us a starred review. It's the best way to help us get these ideas to more people. Miracy. And so the tailor, having gathered together the beautiful scraps, began to sew. He stitched and he sewed and he sewed and he stitched. And by the morning time, he had made himself a beautiful coat. Now, when he wore his coat into the market, everyone admired it so much that the tailor decided to wear the new coat everywhere. And that's what he did. He wore it and wore it and wore it until it was all worn out. Or was it? In each episode of Once Upon a Business, Lisa shares a fairy folk or traditional tale and then extracts rich business lessons that are applicable for entrepreneurs, coaches, and course creators. Stories always take us on a journey from one place to the next. Sometimes this journey is literal, sometimes it's metaphorical, but always we find ourselves transformed. This story, The Tailor's Coat, originating from Europe, takes us through a literal transformation of the pieces of cloth and yet somehow teaches a powerful lesson. It does speak to a common entrepreneurial journey. Many of us start out working for someone else and give them everything we've got. Perhaps the tailor finally deciding to make something for himself is similar to the entrepreneurial desire to begin to create a business for ourselves. We take the scraps, the skills that we've developed, the experience that we've gained, and we launch our own business. I think it's an incredibly important skill for an entrepreneur, for anybody running a business, to be able to know that creating something out of nothing is always possible. And it's often the way forward because 
it's out of the scraps of what's been done before. It's out of almost the missing pieces that are not quite there that we can actually bring our creativity and bring our determination and bring our vision to create something really wonderful, really brand new and really beautiful. And then we can walk around the town with it. You know, we can be proud. We can step out and we can wear it until it's almost worn out, but not quite. To hear more of Lisa's stories and learn the deep lessons they carry, make sure you subscribe to Once Upon a Business wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you every other week with a brand new episode.